Hi everyone, uh, this is Madhumita Mantri. I'm a product lead at an early stage startup in Bay Area. Uh, it's Tartri and it's into real-time analytics and anomaly detection space. Uh, I'm very excited to have Suravi uh, in this AMA session and it's a learning series. Uh, last week we uh, completed episode one in which we covered defining a problem and building the product. And today we are uh, going to talk about how to validate, like once the MVP is ready, how to validate the product and then growing the product. And the uh, session is focused towards the challenges and rewards of building zero to one. So we'll hear interesting insights from Survi's journey. And then if I have anything to add from my data background, I'll do so. So with that, I'll kick off and welcome Survi. Um, and I would lo awesome. love to hear your intro your career journey and something not on your LinkedIn profile. Okay, again. <laughs> yeah, hi, hey everyone, this is Surbi. I, I have, I have, uh, I started my product career around eight, nine years ago. Before that, I was, I, I was software engineer and then did strategic consulting and have been doing product. I started with startups and then worked for Tesla, um, growing global sales from product perspective, and then I joined Meta for, did it for Instagram and Messenger. And most recently I'm at Zooks building RoboTaxi ride-hailing experience. Yeah, something not on my LinkedIn that I do these talks <laughs> and post it on YouTube. I'm a, I am a hobbyist podcaster as well. Love talking. I was a radio talk show host. So enjoy doing these things, uh, connecting with like-minded folks offline. And now I think, of course, the world has changed after pandemic, so more video stuff. But before that, also used to do it in person. That's true. I mean, uh, very exciting, first of all, your career trajectory at uh, different uh, like exciting company to work for in Bay Area and uh, something not on your LinkedIn profile. Completely agree with you. Like and like-minded people now hurdling on LinkedIn and sharing their uh, knowledge on the platform, which is very promising. And I'm sure a lot of learners who are on the platform learning and getting those real life uh, experiences, which otherwise they would not get. And that's how these podcasts make it more exclusive and interesting for folks. So we have an interesting topic today. I think we are going into how to validate a product and growing the product and you have a perfect background, relatable at least. And uh, maybe we'll pick up a product like TikTok um, and then uh, imagine like TikTok MVP just launched. And then uh, if the users are trying to build similar product, what advice kind of uh, you will give uh, in terms of validating that MVP? And uh, if you can call out some of the rewards and challenges, that will be interesting. So my first question related to that will be about like once um, like MVP is built, like usually people start with the product idea mm -hmm. and they have an idea and they build the MVP and then how they will go about validating it. Yeah, so again, I'll make some assumptions here. I haven't been through the TikTok's life cycle. Let's assume... And I was not, I'm not so much on social media, disclaimer. <laughs> so I'm assuming TikTok would have started putting their audience as well as creators in the mind, not the advertisers originally. So the product would be, the MVP would be like an ability for creators to post their videos. And of course, their interesting algorithm by which viewers can view this stuff. So it 
I don't know if they had all these editing features and everything because in MVP, I would just keep it very like niche, maybe one or two outstanding editing features that they had this music feature. That's what I remember or I've used in the past a little bit when I was trying to use this product, but it was way, um, I think it was already in the market. So yeah, so I would just, let's say that was the MVP. Then they would expose it to some users and see how people are reacting. Maybe it was not auto, like unlimited a scroll initially. I'm, I just don't know. So if that would have worked, they would have like, they might they might have both the options. So they would tweak the algorithm. And also let's say if the uh, this editing feature would have worked, then they would have included more tunes. And initially it would be a small catalog. If it wouldn't work, then I would learn that is it something that users are not finding useful or is it that they're not able to discover? Is my catalog good, good enough? What do I need to do? Do I need to provide more video features? So I think I would learn from users' behavior as a product person, irrespective of what features we have launched. That's the purpose of MVP, that we are giving something to the user's hand and then we are seeing how they are reacting and then learn maybe people would have found sometimes they find a different use case which is an eye-opener to the product team and then we're like okay users are using it this way can we make their life easier i think i said that last time as well and that's usually very common so to answer your question let's say if tiktok would have this mvp they would have like 10 tunes in the background something for the creator to like quickly create maybe one camera position and then viewers have this algorithm where they can un get unlimited feed now they are saying okay there are so many active users do we um, people are coming to this product but some users are not but once we send them a notification they are coming so i would work on building the notifications of the product then we see people are sending let's say another thing people are sending it to their friends maybe a forward through external mechanism maybe whatsapp it then i would maybe put it in the app, make it more social, build that friends network, but it's not required on day one. We want to see how people are using because TikTok is different from Instagram where you're not really posting for your friends originally. Now I think they have this friends network as well. I'm not sure, but that was their strength, right? So eventually if people are seeing, okay, there are a lot of followers, friends, community, people are already knowing each other. Somehow that feature maybe users have requested in their user research interviews then it if it makes sense resonates with their mission um remind me what's tiktok's mission i haven't prepared this question <laughs> i'm not too much heavy user of tiktok so not too sure i think it's just like similar to instagram um also where okay. like people can express and share their it's not about creators i would I would think like, if I'm thinking, uh, like it's, it's giving some freedom to creators to reach out to the audience, something like that. Yes. However, like it's more of expressing yourself. Okay. Like, okay. In okay. more um, video. It, I think it started with music to begin with and they saw a lot of traction and eventually transitioned to video. Um, that's what I know. I My knowledge is also limited in this, but it is an interesting product that is successful. Uh, so, would be interesting to chat about that's why i was curious to pick yes, that yes, absolutely and i think let's say let's take an example of youtube maybe i'm more familiar with youtube so youtube was doing really good in these long form videos successful product 
I know it has a very long lifespan, but let's cut it short. Then if the world is going now towards short videos, short attention span, YouTube has like seen that market and some other competing products to introduce YouTube shots, right? So it's not that day one, you have to implement everything, but you learn from users' behavior. What do they care for? One of the problems I think YouTube or TikTok might face that creators are not getting monetized. So the incentive for creators is not there to be on the platform that if that's your learning for your product, you want to, because it's like a two-sided marketplace, unless you have creators, the viewers are not going to come. So you definitely need to flood the creator's market. What can you build to make their life easier or to help them make money, whatever their motivation is. So I would definitely invest in that. I think that's what these products are also doing. Yeah, that's a great caller. Like a couple of things that you said, which uh, is definitely very valuable. Like one is understanding the user behavior. Most of the time, people are so focused on uh, like how the product is adopted or used. But one big element we miss is like understanding the user behavior and not understanding that uh, is a challenge. I think TikTok team had done a very good job in understanding user behavior. That's why once you log into TikTok, they know what kind of videos you like, you keep scrolling. And sometimes I have to tell myself like, stop watching and get back to work. So I yeah. guess, uh, yeah, TikTok has done that well. And you're right, like YouTube has introduced shorts after I think TikTok and Instagram, the Reels concept came. TikTok started with short videos. They really made for creators easy to create. And they also for first... viewers to consume. Because yes. usually, I am assuming YouTube would see a lot of drop for most of the videos. Unless, of course, it's something very engaging, educational. Yeah. But people don't have that much time, short attention span. So it captures that market. And maybe the target segment is more teenagers for TikTok. Yes. So I think, how do you do this user research? That's important. If your product is, again, we were talking about both B2B as well as B2C. So if your product is catering to small audience, then different type of research you can have. And if you have millions of users like these larger platforms, then you have to rely on data as well, get some trends, and then you get those signals and then take actually user research help to validate what you are getting makes sense. And you have like, you can't, if you have just 100 users, it doesn't make sense to analyze too much on building your data science because it's not going to help you. You're not going to get um, something that's that relevant. So I think that's where the next step would be. How do you incorporate your user research depending on the kind of product you have, the kind of user base you have? Yeah, that's that's an interesting call out. Like this consumer space and this B2B space. Consumer, I think, as you said, like we have the data and we have to experiment. We have a means to experiment, like because users are coming as an A-B test and you can work towards like getting traffic or doing some like uh, surveys and stuff like that. But in B2B space, it is hard. Like you work with design partners to val validate your idea because nobody is coming to a website to do something and it needs like a lot of sales motion kind of effort or working with just design partners or doing a lot of a b test on your product page or marketing page just engaging uh, looking at like what kind of uh, like content people are engaging it was funny like recently i had seen an article or post by somebody on linkedin i believe 
where that person has written like the, the question was like how do you validate your product and that person was responding that he just creates a waitlist page and put it in all the social media and he says like there's a lot of waitlist people mm-hmm. come then he goes and build the product otherwise he scrapped that idea so it was funny but it was an interesting I concept that depends if you're a large company you really can't do that yeah. Like yeah. say, if today you see something on Instagram or TikTok, it's waitlisted, and then you just it doesn't it never comes. I don't know you'll get a good PR yes. unless you justify it, and then you have to like again adhering to all company policies, marcoms, and whatnot. And then can you do that? But yeah, if you are like a startup founder or something, you can totally totally do that before building. Get the early signal. Yeah, and also I think from B to B side, which you touched upon, it's it's. the just getting feedback is different because you can reach out to your key customers get their time get their feedback um, so it's not hard it's just and people companies do that all the time because usually b2b products means they are paid these customers come back to you even if you don't want feedback they will give you feedback <laughs> so, yeah you you have to just get the right feedback and not get blinded by some customers i think that's important in b2b space because Hi. maybe you have 100 customers let's say and maybe one of the customers with strong voices saying to build a feature do you want to does it align with your company's trajectory do you want to do that so prioritizing and balancing those things are actually more challenging in b2b because customers are very vocal Yes. and then you have to see because your sales team also want to expand into customer base and even new customers are asking for something maybe a new use case maybe it's something good for you then do it but if not then you have to push back yeah saying no actually a lot of time in b2b space it's not like you will be popular by doing that as a pm like saying no everybody will start hating you but you're right like i mean indexing in one customer and one use case before you know that you have reached product market fit it's going to be tricky and uh, you should not like prematurely scale your product in that case even after reaching pmf i would suggest to be very mindful on having your roadmap because in b2b space it's very very common that people will try to say like even your own teams account manager sales team that if we are going to get this customer we need these 10 features and then it can totally derail your roadmap sometimes it's important you have to do those trade offs because if your company you need to have that runway right so but i am again saying don't get blinded because sometimes customers ask for things that don't go well with your strengths your market positioning and where you want to take your company so you have to be knowing what you are doing and why you are doing if it's making sense do those trade offs yeah makes sense and that's where uh, i think customer education is one area b2b space like they spend a lot of time so that customer also understands like what what are our value prop and how they can use the product to the to to their best interest great so um with interest of time i'll move on um so I think as you're talking about validating the product, how to get those first uh, early users? I mean, uh, we talked about like how we can reach out to users, collect their feedback, but what would be the process of like kind of getting those early users? Because a lot of time people ask me this question. Even the other day, there somebody was like, "Hey, I wanted to build this. I have some cool ideas, and they have 
like something an MVP working, but he wasn't sure like how to go about getting this early users. Okay, Keen, I would segment this problem depending on whether you are a B2B company, B2C company, yeah. already like a large company, say TikTok, Instagram, and you're building a new feature. Yeah, that's threads, Facebook, uh, Meta, launch threads. So I would leverage my existing network in that case. Sure. So that's what they did. But if you are starting from ground zero, how do you get? So let's focus on maybe B2B and then B2C. Yeah. So be, be small company, new company, right? Because if you're Salesforce building something new, you can definitely use your existing partners, users, tie-ups, right? And enhance, upgrade their licensing. Let's say Google Workplace introduces something, then they can reach out to existing customers and add a new tier. It's, it's a different game plan. But if you are someone new and you're building a B2B product, I would say work with your customers, get some customers early on before even building your full product. And those become your paying customers. You can actually partner with them that, hey, I'm going to build this. And are you going to me help me by early sign up or something? And you can give them some early bit discounts. And actually, so I have seen that happening where you partner with some trusted customers and also they can become your investors. Investor. You have to find them like if you are going to use LinkedIn to uh, like or tap into your network or if you're raising money to be it's different because you are specifically solving a problem for a specific domain. So I would not start with LinkedIn because where have I validated the problem? I have reached out to these maybe companies and validated my solution. So I would ask them, hey. Are you willing to pay for it? So, and then your product lifecycle actually starts. So you already know some of these people before you start doing CRM and everything, going to the wider network, start with something concrete that you have few customers or your investors can be your, sometimes I, in some of the startups I have worked that your customers are your investors and vice versa because they trust your product. So they are not like directly maybe I would say not just paying for the product, but also investing. So that could be another way for B2B space. But if it's a small SaaS product, because I think maybe I'm talking about a large B2B product, if it's a smaller SaaS product, then yeah, you again start with some some customers where you have done the validation. Give them uh, some something free and then upgrade. So some premium model or whatever your model is, but have that trusted network along with you and ask them to give you referrals. In B2B space, that works very well. Customers bring more customers. I uh, use this concept raving fans in the past where you can have customer conferences and then customers are your advocates. So leverage that. Uh, if it's a consumer product, then how do you get the customers? You are in building something new. I think that's a completely different game where you have to reach masses you again use your own network initially and use some i mean again there are organic ways and there are paid ways depending on uh, your definitely there are the, these concept customer acquisition costs should be lower than the lifetime value of the customer so definitely everybody wants to have free customers but it doesn't have provide you infinite runway so how do you get but leverage your network i have seen some startup founders actually um using like say they are writing online building their momentum just about the company not selling not selling the product directly but right let's say if you are um, 
take an example of a product, maybe career, something in the career field where they are providing, let's say, let's take a consumer product, hypothetically, they are making your resume, you're sending in something, they're making some like ML generated resume, customized to your company, telling you how many people are viewing, all that stuff. Now, if you want to reach audience, of course, first you will discuss with some of your trusted network, have some early users, beta testers, but now you want to mass launch, you can, of course, post it on Product Hunt and all these other platforms, but also start writing articles about it. I'm just saying growth hacks. So people go in entrepreneur, go in Forbes and all, write about it, um, organize some events. So like how I I found it very interesting how Bumble actually grew its user base. They used to go to all these, um, I think, um, colleges, universities and organize free pizza parties. I've just heard and asked people to sign up, whoever would come. And then, you know, so basically you need people. So the companies involved a lot, lot of hacks. How Airbnb did was they were getting traffic from Craigslist. They were actually manually uh, sending people these listings. So people do the bookings. So you just need to get the crowd, whichever domain you are and see what works best for you. Like if I had this resume thing, what would I do? I would actually give it a tie, go to some universities, share with the students, maybe give it for free initially or do a freemium model, then do referral. If you bring someone, you can get upgraded version. So a lot of growth hacks are there that you can do. Facebook did this growth hack, which was build seven friends. How do you, I think entire company's focus was how to get you more friends. And then your roadmap also becomes that, right? Too much, too many things. <laughs> I think I've shared. Yeah, I remember that you said now seven friends in LinkedIn. Also, we had a concept of premium gifts. So you okay. can five premium gifts to your friends who are working oh, what were the premium gifts i haven't no but no one LinkedIn, is good to me come LinkedIn on <laughs> well you need to be friends with linkedin employee okay so it's like all the employees they get like kind of five of them like you can give five of free premium gifts premium subscriptions friends. yeah premium okay, okay. okay i got it once like as a gift uh, to your friends or relatives. And yeah, that's an interesting growth hack as well. You would like it and then they will continue renewing it. You can give it only once. Yeah, once they give. Yes, it's not like you are, I mean, renewal time you had to renew. Hey, my uh, LinkedIn friends, you've given me once. Give me again. Are you listening? <laughs> Just. <laughs> Okay. yeah that's uh that sounds interesting so now that we talked about how to acquire those users now we talked about getting their feedback uh, what would be interesting to know that when you know the your product is ready for like launch like big announcement pr and making like a big noise about it like when that moment will come oh actually i think um we mixed it up because when i was saying this like go write articles, organize events, go to universities, have these like everything around your product. It means these are part of the launch, like how a book, let's say book is product. If somebody's writing a book, they do these book tours and everything, write about the book, give interviews, come on podcasts. Many actually, I I am a hobbyist podcast, as I was telling earlier. Some of startup founders come used to come on my podcast. It's not related to their 
like work or anything but it creates a buzz many people know about their product one of the founders came from india i didn't know about his product but then we were talking and and i posted on linkedin he got some exposure in the us as well so it's more like building momentum go for awards like there are these tv awards and what not one of my startups used to do that so and another hack that i've seen let's say there are larger companies we are we are using for example maybe dropbox my startup did that they would actually put a case study on how dropbox is helping us and dropbox will publish it so let's say i am a startup abc existing in somewhere but now dropbox is highlighting the use case many people will know about my company they'll come to our like our company's website so i have seen marketers using all these growth hacks which creates momentum not only for getting customers but also employees because they now people know about your company right go on tv radio talk show like i think i'm not a marketing advisor but i think i've seen these things happening around me customer testimonials uh, what you're yes. talking then seo and of course all those i'm not i'm not really aware of that domain but then of course this is all so some of it is organic where you can leverage your network but then of course once you grow then you have to have the budget again balance your cac and ltv customer subscription cost whatever your pricing model is so content actually you brought up a good point content actually works in both the spaces at at least i have seen like where you are uh, now ready to launch and you make a big noise like you go for this uh, fancy pr news wires and where you publish your pr uh, about your product this also early stage when you are trying to acquire users you can write some educational content as you were saying like give yes. something for free and yeah then- i am thinking about kriya sorry to interrupt you remember like this is a new startup it just comes to my mind because i saw the mvp and where they are and how they are posting and organizing events reason being to create the buzz most of the startup like product school they did product con i don't think it's to make money of course it could be supplementary i don't know all those things but it's to create that buzz and then going to corporate starting from individual students now they are building coming bringing companies beyond their mvp to use their product i think they also got some funding but now corporates they want to train their product managers they are hiring product school that was not their original model it was just yes, that's right that's right only students were going there yeah yeah so you you can see the gap where let's say lot of like interest from where your basically you create your it's never a straight line sometimes as i was saying you i don't know if product school knew it on day one they're going to go to organizations because i didn't see that in their mission statement at the time but eventually it was if your product, mission statement is very wide i want to educate the world make more product leaders you start with individuals and then you see the interest coming from companies and you have built that infrastructure then you can go to the companies universities and where not right yes absolutely so we have about 10 minutes i know you want me to wrap up uh, at uh, 12:45 so is my next section which is very interesting to me now that we launched the product and growth growth pain we did talk mm-hmm. about some of the growth hacks but as we are uh, trying to get more users this uh, phases right after you launch like growing that early like customers paid users then you run, run into a phase 
where you want to retain those users. Like you, you can be having paid users for especially B2B but B2C, like LinkedIn, Facebook and all, they're more focused on how people are coming on a day-to-day basis using their product. Then there's like retaining the product, then monetizing. How to grow, uh, sorry, go through this channel, like what are the rewards and challenges for someone who's focusing in that area? Yeah, so generally, let's say you have initial users, they have activated your product. Now, you we all talk about daily active users, DAO, WOW, MAO things. So then, as I mean, it re- it's really important to track how many people are using your product again, because maybe initially you are giving like maybe $1,000 somebody to use your product, but if they're not coming back, what's the purpose, right? So you have to have a good product. That's where you have to have a compelling product going back to what problem it's solving. Is it good enough that users are using it? It's just that they need to know about it. That's where this whole effort of putting uh, out the word there matters that, okay, this is amazing thing. I just need to know because I don't know about this product. Once I know I'm going to use it. So initial part was to create a product, create, bring it to the user's attention somehow. And now it's your product. Is it good enough? It goes back to what problem you're solving. And again, I go want to go back when you're doing all this growing thing. Don't just blindly burn your effort or money to go about after every user. You need to focus on the target segment because let's say your product is for is for um, people resume right but initially you have marketed it and uh, even somebody who is like say I'm just some making up someone who is not gonna really write need a resume not in that life cycle and you are somehow giving users five dollars to download your product as a customer maybe you have run an advertisement or something or referral you're getting all these other users who are not going to use your product so maybe your daily active user initially has gone higher or overall user not daily active user will not even count here but number of users or downloads have increased then that metric is not going to help you so tracking that wrong metric number of downloads and number of uh, users who even created their account it's not going to be useful so you need to really focus your effort of all this marketing and growing the product to the right segment. That's why I was saying, go to universities, go to uh, like where people are actually going to use, right? So that's where you have to see that fit and then learn from the user behavior. That's how your roadmap will iterate that what things really matter to them in your product. What are their problems? Are you solving them in the right manner? Maybe their problems keep on changing as world is changing. Are you evolving? You're learning and you have to pivot sometimes your roadmap. So make it useful for your users and then maybe build some features sometimes to re- retain engagement um, so that they come back. There is a reason for them to come back. And also, I think one more important point is identify the cadence that they need to come back. For example, if you're TurboTax, you don't need your users to come back every day. Really, they are going to get value at some point, but sometimes occasional email to keep in touch that they don't go somewhere else is helpful. Um, but you don't want somebody to be daily active user because it's really not helpful. So you don't have to build anything in that direction, but make it so easy for them to file taxes that they do come to you. And then I think Intuit had these other products like Mint and of course they spin it off where they were tracking um, people to uh, like expenses and also that they are engaged financially in the ecosystem. Similarly, I think Zillow, I think they did something like this where 
they were they saw that there was only one transaction when somebody is buying or selling a home but then they started selling these sending these emails out where somebody is getting the value of their home which was not needed but it was something useful and then the customers are not forgetting about zillow if someone else let's say you want to buy a home i'm going to tell you hey use this site i you know like it's kind of engaging and maybe i don't want to sell my home but i know okay the price is this much maybe i'm allowed to do that and i'm again just hypothetically saying some stuff so these are some features but do they so depending on the product it was a smart move initially somebody could just think oh zillow just doesn't need to do build anything just provide that transaction better but maybe they extended it further in users life so i think you have to really identify what are the other pain points around the main offering and can you keep users engaged and up to right cadence they cannot think like instagram that oh i want users to log in couple of times in a day in my website like zillow that's not that's a wrong aspiration right so establish that cadence and then provide value don't just build vanity features that are not going to help users and see if there are some bottlenecks um why people are not able to log in if they're not coming back even if it's serving the problem then you have to really identify those areas of improvement and um so yeah we have covered like we, we need to see the right form of engagement the right cadence and then see if users are not coming back in build build something to bring them back and um measure those do user research again here data gives you good information like um i think you have to use both data and user research here more effectively together don't rely on one or the other because i'm assuming yeah you have to say something no 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 i was saying i agree with you like quality and quantitative metrics are both are important in this space like we can't just rely on quantity metrics uh, because uh, as you said like sometimes it turns out to be vanity so quality matters then quantity and also sometimes users are doing something for example um when i was at um, one of the messaging products we were looking at data how people are getting notifications and maybe the if you look at data notifications become one of the main reasons why people stop using your product or do mute but yeah. if you turn them off was it really helpful for a messaging product imagine whatsapp doesn't have notifications no right so how do you cater different user needs and improve the product experience that was a big learning which data analysis help but we cannot blindly follow it then you don't get the insights but actually getting close to the users different type of user understanding their needs help to uncover certain things which data just was not showing if you are billions of users again if your product is there so yeah i think um then again for retention build strong networks that so it's hard for user to migrate to because there could be a product in the future that's better than your product but there is a migration cost let's say if i want to move out from google ecosystem to another what will happen to my all existing gmail even if this is a super fancy email software i my all contacts are there my google docs drive everything it's it's a big switching cost for me as a user so i'm hooked in the ecosystem maybe that's why some companies provide you so many other things novel things around that so it's hard for a user to just switch to another one so i would leave it um, if your product is like that network effects and everything like why people can't live leave facebook even they don't some have hate love hate relationship because then the entire network is there right like linkedin imagine spinning a new linkedin 
what about all the posts that you have created all the endorsements you have received maybe endorsement is not a good feature but as a user if i have received that many i may not want to lose those reviews are like something like that many platforms have those things that people if they migrate now they're going to lose all that historic context right right absolutely so it's funny that you're talking about the data actually in growth phase you need to look at data also in addition to qualitative measures like talking to user user survey recently i had uh, come across a product called heap.io i don't know if you have heard about it mm-hmm. um, so it it collects all user behavior data the interesting part was um, you can go and actually play the replay of how users are using your product so that was an interesting thing like where you can also measure the funnel right if where exactly they are coming and as you said like if a lot of people are coming on a day to day basis but they are not seeing the value mm-hmm. this product is going to sorry this feature is going to tell very easily that after viewing certain pages they are no more like taking any action okay interesting that- so that's an interesting thing that i just wanted to call out like if uh, interesting tool that can be used in this phases of course there's tons of ai war is going on and other thing because we are talking about ai I, these days there is a lot of effort i've seen people are introducing this chatbots um it hmm. more conversational for retention part like as you were talking about how to retain those users um not sure like have you heard any of those where like chatbots really help to retain the users or it's a good idea to pursue because somebody else was asking the same question apply for e-commerce i don't I mean, honestly my thinking is not and never based on just going to a solution and think that this solution is going to help me retain users unless i've done the whole analysis like why are we first in first place building chatbot because when i am building a product and of course you know like okay it's the latest hairstyle i should get it but is it gonna suit me so let's say chatbot is hot but is it really resonating with the problem i'm solving if yes totally i will build it but not just to What's go the, of like building yes, yes and then it makes sense that people are finding value they are not going to leave it but just by building a chatbot let's say zoom build maybe in zoom it's helpful with ai taking your notes but then chatbot what is it doing what problem it's solving i would have to really go to the core because then just copying features from here and there i i don't build products like that <laughs> sorry <laughs> so i remember someone asked the question last time perhaps that's why i was like hey i i don't think any the best feature let's say what's the best feature of linkedin getting you a job there are many many platforms but let's say zoom thinks okay let me add this feature where you can actually a quick apply to get a job will it will it be helpful i first see what the problem what is the problem that is solving maybe my company is going to hate it and zoom is going to go back from all enterprise i'm i'm just thinking again joking here but no feature can be so good that can be blindly adopted by any product so always focus on the problem and not the solution once you have nailed the problem that this is the problem then you look okay if there is a mental model of users let's say swiping or short form video is a mental model people like then you can let's say people swipe on dating apps maybe i'm showing people how homes and i can incorporate swiping because it resonates with people it's easy to build there are constructs people like it i can use it but just 
doing swiping in anything because swiping is hot is not gonna make my product successful so i would isolate problem phase and solution phase focus on nailing the problem validating the problem really resonating it with the users and then look at different ways on how can i solve and then i can see and get inspiration and i always get inspiration from different industries not necessarily from my own industry in fact i am somebody i would like to build something innovative not copy but i respect users mental models because design thinking um advocates that that people if everybody is swiping right and you all of a sudden do swipe up in the air people are going to make mistakes and they're going to hate your product so don't do that right right i think this, that's why the product tear downs are super helpful in that yeah. i know we are over time so we'll wrap up here uh, any final thoughts or conclusion uh, for people to take away like uh, i know in this session they learned about validating a product and growing the product any other like in terms of challenges or rewards you want to call out yeah i would say um overall yeah this like we have shared and then it depends on the individual product whether you are a b2b company b2c company this is just like um, a normal talk but if somebody wants to dig deeper they should do learn more about couple of things more areas to learn like how to do user research nicely how to make action not because if you're a product person listening you don't have to become an expert of doing user research but how to utilize that establish of a culture of collecting data um and this iterative learning feedback based product development after mvp and yeah i would just um, say that and really never get in love with the solution yeah. think about the problem the mission um because sometimes that makes people blinded and then it it's not a success recipe sometimes you can get lucky but it's by chance not like for sure <laughs> absolutely so yeah that's a, a great insight and thanks for sharing your journey and experiences i'm sure uh, this is going to be very valuable for folks who are listening to it offline so um thanks again for your time and uh, whoever is trying to listen to this video hope you're finding it useful but that i'll wrap up uh, thanks everyone and thanks survi yeah, fun talking to you madhumita have a good one